I think you will enjoy the conversation with Jim Lee from Las Vegas, Nevada, a Cardinal fan, uh, the commissioner of the WWBA, very insightful baseball person. You can tell he loves the game, loves to talk about baseball, uh, loves running leagues, does an excellent job. I uh, think it was a fun conversation, a lot of good insight uh, into baseball. So uh, hope you enjoy it. I, uh, forgive the dogs. My, one of my ideas was to be outside by my dogs, and they wouldn't shut up. So I apologize for that. The sound wasn't that great. That is my fault, and I will do better next time. Thanks. Jim, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you doing this on Monday, April 5th on Final Four night. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Hey, I'd like to start um, letting everybody know a little bit about yourself, your history with the hobby, um, then maybe get into the WWBA a little bit. Does that sound all right? Sure. Sounds good. So, so tell us a little bit about what, what kind of got you interested in sports simulations. I, I guess you started off APA, Stratomatic. Um, man, as a kid, I can't even tell you that I played every game that anybody put in front of me. Um, <laughs> status uh, pro. I, Did you play the, the status the, pro one from sports illustrated? You, I, yeah, I remember the sports illustrated was the, probably the first one that I played with the little, with the little white cards and you had the little backboard that you would set up with the batter's eye on it. Um, then I played, I don't even remember the name of the game, uh, but it had the little spinner and you would put the little discs in there. And, uh, I remember the home runs was a one and, uh, Ozzie Smith was, uh, <laughs> his one was so thin, uh, that they had to put a break in the line because the one was actually wider than, than this. The number one was wider than his home run. So it was <laughs> a little bit of controversy when you spun a home run for him, I assume. Yeah, right. Yeah. It had to be, I mean, it had to be perfect. Uh, but yeah, I, I was just as a kid, I played all those games and I was always the one that was trying to put together a league in school. I always had, I always was putting together leagues and notebooks. Uh, I ran, I was basically like the school bookie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I played, I, I had, I always had a league of some sort going before I ever knew that, that leagues like the WWBA and the IRBL and these leagues existed. Uh, I made my own with local kids. So did you like numbers? Did you like going through the uh, the box scores each day, kind of tracking your players, sporting yeah, news? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've always been a math geek. Uh, I yeah, I still I think that's probably what drew me to baseball was it's it's the most stat driven game there is. So you know, before I even watched baseball games on television uh, as a, as a kid, you know, as young as I can remember, I poured over the numbers on the back of baseball cards. <laughs> and, really? And, yeah, I had. I got the base was it baseball digest was the little, the little small one. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember that. That one. was my, I think that was the earliest uh, subscription I can remember getting was I would get the baseball digest in the mail. Uh, and then I remember, you know, back in the day uh, before the internet existed, uh, you know, the, every Sunday, the sports section would have every player in the major leagues, uh, you know, stats. So you, you know, they do them, you know, cumulative up to the year. So every Sunday I'd sit down. That's how I would run my my leagues back then. Was out of the Sunday newspaper. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Now, um, the WWBA that's been a unique league because that's been together. I think it's his forty fourth year. You said. Can you tell something like that? Can you tell us a little bit about that league? What kind of makes it unique out there in the world? 
Uh, for me, I think the most unique thing about the WWBA is the personal relationships. Uh, you know, a good majority, I've, you know, I've been in several of these leagues. Uh, funny enough, uh, you know, I talk about my history and all the gaming that I played. Uh, I was unaware of these computer simulated replay leagues until the early 2000s. Oh, you were um, all card based? I was, yeah, I was in, in, in very local. <laughs> ah. uh, most of the people that I played with were people that I knew in real life or, you know, had met you know, in, in chat rooms or something. Um, it was just dumb luck. The way that I got into the WWBA uh, in 2002, I was in Arizona. I'd just come back from Boston. I finished up a big job up there. And I went to a spring training game in Surprise, Arizona. And as I was walking up to the ticket office, uh, Don McAllister, who's ran the Guilford Goals for probably close to 40 years now, uh, was sitting on the uh flag stand outside the ticket office and he saw me coming up by myself he said are you by yourself and i said yes and he says here i got an extra ticket my colleague uh decided to go play golf instead uh, sounds like me <laughs> and so we sat down uh you know I, I bought him a beer and we sat down and started talking and uh you know he's like wow you're sure i'm knowledgeable about the players and i said you know i run multiple leagues and at that time i was in a I was in a uh, fantasy league that was pretty comparable to what we do. You know, we had 20 team keepers and, and lots of roster spots and, you know, it was really, really deep league. Uh, you know, and I was traveling so much, I didn't really have any uh, local leagues anymore. So I was doing most of these online, but still unaware of the simulation sport at that time. And then that's when Don told me about uh, uh, Diamond Mind. And I went home and looked it up and I contacted Ken Hand. And they just happened to have a guy quit the league that that very year. <laughs> oh, really? So that's um, how. So that's how. You yeah. Oh. But I met him. So I met him there. Um, and then, you know, we do our drafts in person, uh, which is a very unique, I think, for the WWBA. Um, everybody, for the most part, flies the all the National League guys fly to Florida uh, almost every March, and until this COVID hit, I had not missed a draft in 17 years. <laughs> oh wow! I had been to Florida every March, uh, dating back to the date I joined the league, um, and even before that. So, like going back to the you know to the late '70s when this league started, um, the guys used to get together in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Uh, they used to rent a, a conference room. I think I believe it was a Holiday Inn. They used to rent a conference room at the Holiday Inn in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and they would get together every spring and have their drafted person. Uh, even you know that was back when we would still use uh, Stratomatic card games. Oh, that's cool. So, so forever they've always met like that for drafts. So yeah, 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 that's well. And the good majority of the guys in the beginning, uh, most of them were in the uh, field of education. Uh, they so they met in New York at uh, various community colleges, and uh, you know, so they almost all of them had a tie to education field at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was all. So they said back then it was very much a. Uh, you know, word of mouth, how we got new members. Well, I thought it was pretty unique. This draft, you figured out how to do it via Zoom. But one thing I noticed jumping on a Zoom call with all those guys is they are real close. Like you could tell they've, they, they've known each other for a long time and, and enjoy each other's company. Yeah, like I said, so this, this is the only league I've ever been in where, you know, like these people, um, the good majority of them are basically like family. Uh, like I said, because, uh, you know, we get together multiple times a year. Uh, now we have a huge contingency in Florida. Uh, so those guys, you know, 
if they're not related, they're close and they, they see each other very frequently. They get together. Uh, you know, we do uh, waivers and free agency, uh, you know, mid-season and then in the uh, winter. Uh, all the guys that are in the Tampa area and even a few guys on the on the East Coast uh, will drive over and they, they usually get together for those events and they'll have, you know, three, four, five, six, seven guys together, even for those little events in the off season. Ooh, wow. You know, I haven't been to any of those, so I look forward to being able to get through this and do that. Right. What's yeah, COVID has really changed the WWBA. <laughs> what What kind of surprised you the most about the 2020 baseball season? What What was What was good? What was bad? What was like you hope we never have to do again? I was surprised that they finished it. Really? <laughs> uh, I mean, when a, a weekend when you've got both the Cardinals and the Marlins with a half a dozen players out, uh, it it didn't look promising. Um, but it was amazing, I think how you know they didn't have after that happened uh, they really didn't have another issue until the world series and justin turner so i was really surprised that they were able to get through it uh, you know basically as unscathed as they did if you throw out the little hiccup in the beginning of the season uh, i was just happy to have baseball uh, it was miserable april may june and no baseball yeah, i agree <laughs> it was yeah that was that was rough you you ready for baseball in 2021? Did you get to go to any spring training games? I did not physically attend any. Uh, and in fact, I was so busy with uh, some things going on in my personal life. Uh, I didn't even watch a spring training game until the, like the two or three days before the seasons opened. Uh, I would just, you know, read the, I would read the box scores and read Roto world at night before I go to bed. Uh, so I didn't get to watch very much, but I, I took opening day and uh, the following day I took off and that's all I did was watch baseball. <laughs> did you? Good, good. good. Yeah. I, I know you were yeah. catching up on some games today is what you told me. So that's good. Uh, well, today, actually, uh, you know, I went to Ian Roach's house. Uh, you know, we also just joined the uh, Rosenblatt Association with Brandon Rose. Uh, and you're in that league as well. And this is our first uh, first uh, try at that. Uh, so today I went over to Ian's house and we played our first two series of the uh, Rosenblatt using Action PC. So have you formed a, an opinion yet? Two series in. Um, I love the game experience of Action. Uh, you know, I love the um, the play-by-play. -play, I think is better. Uh, I love being able to see the action of the players and the ball. Uh, but the but the user interface on Diamond Mine is far superior. Um. That, that game, if, if they had a better programmer, that game could be amazing. Uh, I think it's really clunky and kind of cumbersome. Yeah, there's there, there's a lot going on in, in, in that game. It, it seems in, in kind of the leagues that I'm associated with, it seems like Diamond Mine is the standard game to use, though. Do, do you think that people just trust the results better? You know, I, I, I honestly think it's just past reputation. Um, 15, 20 years ago, I, I don't even think it was a competition. Diamond Mine was far and away the most superior game on the market. Uh, since Imagine Sports has taken over, I think it's gone downhill. Uh, I don't trust the results as much. I don't think it's as accurate. I, don't, I honestly don't think they put as much effort into it as they used to to make it accurate because uh, they bought this simply for the game engine to be able to use for their online game. Uh, they were actually going to get rid of the, um, the season disc and the PC version until they realized that it was easy money. Uh, you know, they, it was the same, 
same data that they needed for their online game and people would pay him $40 a year forever just to get a disc. So were, you, I, I, were you even surprised they did the version 12 with, with the rule changes or do you think they would blow? Through yeah. the, the, I was kind of surprised. No, I, I, I didn't think I, uh, I made jokes about it when people, you know, several WWA members would email me uh, periodically during the 2020 baseball season. You know, do you think diamond mine will do this? Will they add an, you know, will they put this rule in? I'm like, they haven't done anything, you know, they haven't done anything unique or, uh, you know, upgrade or update to this game in, in 10 years. I don't see them doing anything new now. Uh, I think there was so many broad changes last year and, you know, they've missed the last several changes. I think it was almost uh, have to or, or get out of the business at this point. Yeah, I was I was surprised. They seem they seem to do it all right. It's kind of unique, their online version of the game. It, it's it's kind of set the manager up and let it play that night. That doesn't seem like a real fun online experience to me. I, I, I honestly don't know anything about it. I've never even gone and looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I get I get the emails all the time, uh, you know, used to, to, you know, try, try it. And I think they even offered us a free or discounted one or something at one point when they first bought it, bought Diamond Mind out. I've never, I've never even taken the time to look at it. Would you, you know, we emailed back and forth in kind of preparation for this. Would if you, if there was an online game that had kind of that same interactive experience, but you didn't have to install software on your laptop, you could just use your web browser. Is that something you think people would be interested in, or are they just used to what they have now? I, I think it depends very much on the league. Um, I would think that the WWBA for certain uh, would never go to something like that. Uh, in fact, we talked about it at the at the point in time that Imagine Sports took over Diamond Mind, and we were you know looking at options. You know, if we have to leave Diamond Mind, where will we go and what will we do? Uh, that was a conversation that we had. Now I don't remember what year that was. I think it was 2007 or eight or somewhere in that vicinity. Um, so the internet, you know, I mean, the internet's everywhere. But uh, back then, I don't think you had as much access, like, you know, fewer people had internet on their cell phones, uh, fewer people had hotspots, uh, where now you're almost connected 24-7, right? Uh, but that was, that was a big part of our problem back then is, you know, especially me personally, uh, I travel a lot for work. I'm always on the go. And frequently, I didn't have internet access. I'd play my games, uh, you know, while I was in between going to locations. Uh, play them on an airplane, and then then when I landed, I'd go to the terminal and hook up to the internet, and I'd send my results off. So like for us, you know, having uh, having to have internet access to play a game didn't seem feasible. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine back then. When when you think about uh, Diamond Mine Action PC, like other than the user interfaces, what do you think's missing from those simulations? Like, what drives you crazy about them? What do you like about them? Um, most of my experience is a diamond mine because I've been playing in the WWBA for nearly 20 years. And uh, up until I joined this Rosenblatt this year with, with Brandon, uh, I had only played in, in diamond mine leagues. So that's the majority of my experience. Um, I've always had an issue with, I think there's uh, quite a limitation on the fielding ratings. Uh, I think there should be more than just five, five levels. Yeah. Um, 
I've always been irritated that you don't have an option to run and hit. You know, you have a hit and run button or you have a steal button. Uh, there's no option to just let the runner go and let the batter do what he wants. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes both sometimes both guys have the green light. That's not an option in Diamond Mind. Um, you're pretty limited with the uh, with the defensive alignments. Uh, you know, they're pretty basic. You can either bring the entire infield in or the corners in. Uh, and that's really about the extent of it, right? I think you, you can guard the lines. Uh, I, I, that's one thing I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Action PC, I think, has way more options with the defense than uh, the Diamond Mind. What do you think of the computer coach and computer managers that are involved in Diamond Mind? You think you think they do a good job? Because we have a lot of faith and trust in them, <laughs> the way we run. No. Our uh, they don't do a good job. And I, and I have, I have spent hours, uh, this is something, you know, Tom Mandillo, uh, was the general, uh, he was the commissioner of the national league in the WWBA before I took over. Uh, he's still in the league. He's one of the longest standing. I think currently is the longest standing member now with Ken Hand having retired. Uh, he and I have talked about this and we've spent hours, uh, to some guys don't put any effort and time into their diamond, into their, uh, manager profile at all. You know, they just put a lineup in uh, and they select some pitchers for the bullpen depth and that's it. They put no, they don't do anything with the individual player profiles. They don't do anything with the depth charts, and, you know, and Tom and I have spent hours tweaking these things and watching the results. And when it doesn't do what we want to do, we go back and tweak it again. There are things that you just cannot get that manager profile to do. And it makes some of the just most infuriating decisions. <laughs> mm -hmm. would, it, would it be interesting to you if those computer managers were kind of augmented? And, and what I mean by that, there was times in a game where it, it would kind of phone home, where, where it would send you a text message and said, I'm about to do this, but do you want me to do it? Or, or let you intervene more in real time without playing head-to-head, -head, though. Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing if there was a way to do that. Um, I mean, that would require again, you know, the, the full-time online access. Um, but you know, that's another thing, uh, the, you know, talk about what is these games lacking? Um, and I think action and diamond mind are the same, uh, the port forwarding in order to net play, you have to do this port forwarding. And one of the other reasons that, that I think we stick diamond mind in the WWBA is it's, uh, a lot more user friendly. Uh, you don't have to be near as computer savvy uh, to operate it. And the majority of the guys in the league have a really, really hard time uh, setting up this net play. Yeah, uh, you know, I, they, yeah. I, I think that these games uh, should have a, a third party like cloud platform, if you will. Yeah, it's it's what you have to do to get these to work. It, it's kind of surprise. It, it seems to me it makes people almost scared to play head to head because they just they just don't want to go through the setup. Well, yeah, and you know, and I've spent I've spent a lot of hours, especially in the last year, with uh, you know me being out of work with with COVID all year. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the phone. I actually got a lot of guys that had never net played before, walked them through setting it up, and and actually got them got them hosting. But as soon as it stops working, a lot of guys are go, oh, I'm not going through that again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I, yeah, I wondered about that because it, it is it is kind of challenging. Uh, but even even if you are like, I don't have any issues, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 
pretty fluent in it. I've always been able to host no matter where I am, what my situation is. Uh, but even getting the connection up and running, uh, then you have issues where you lose connection, but you don't know it. So we'll be sitting there playing. I've got a red light and he, and you've got a red light and neither one of us know it. And when that happens, you also can't transmit text in the chat box. So it ends up being a phone call or a, or a text on the mobile phone. You know, are we frozen? Yes. And then I got to shut it down and start it over again. Uh, you know, and, and you end up sitting there for 10 minutes uh, and nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. It, to me, it's that. And does, does it bother you the results can't just get automatically updated and everybody's synchronized all the time? Or are you just used to the way it is and it's no big deal? Yeah, that, that part doesn't bother me so much. Um, yeah, just, I mean, you know, with the, with the WWBA, for example, we have, um, we have three stat files per quarter that come out. So you're getting results. Everybody's league uh, database is up to date about every two weeks, two to two and a half weeks. So that one's not bad. Um, I've been in leagues in the past, you know, where you play chronologically every week. Uh, I could never be in a league like that again. It just requires too much of my time. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. That would be an interesting thing that if, you know, if we, again, if we were cloud-based. But it really that, doesn't bother you that much. It, it, it You kind of, you, you figured out how to get it to work and it's, that that's good. Yeah. No, I don't really have any issues with it. When you, when new managers kind of join your league, what's what's kind of the biggest mistakes you see new managers making in the WWBA, for example? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's usually just uh, just a rule uh, rule infringements. You know, somebody uh, doesn't remember to get a backup or doesn't have enough playing time because. Uh, the one thing I would say about the these replay leagues for guys that haven't been in them, uh, you know, especially if, if their only experience is, is fantasy sports, uh, this is this is very unique and very different set of uh, skills. <laughs> so I, I think it's really just people uh, have to get used to what's required. So give some give some tips because one of the things that kind of surprised me is you have the trade approval for that first year, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's something that's been around uh, since before I joined the league. Uh, we we do have a, a trade committee, if you will, and when you join the league for the first for the first year that you're in the league, uh, your trades have to be approved by a committee. Uh, and again, I think that boils down to again just the difference in uh, you know WWBA and, and re replay leagues versus a fantasy league because player values are so different. And in the WWBA, player values are even more different than most replay leagues. Uh, you know, we have really tight usage requirements, uh, really strict usage requirements, uh, and we have a very very deep league. Uh, you know, we're 28 teams with a 40-man roster uh, and only a only a 5% roundup on hitters. And then we use actual game start and games relief. So there's not a lot of excess playing time. Uh, so a guy that has 30 starts or 600 at-bats, even if he's not very good, is very valuable because it's one roster spot. 
that gives you a lot of playing time. Yeah, I learned that the hard way the first year. What? Um, one thing I was going to ask you about is if you look at this league compared to the usage numbers for Rosenblatt, is it significant to you as far as being able to get enough at-bats for the season, being able to get through it? I don't think that it affects my ability to get through the season. I, it affects the roster construction. Um, like I said earlier in the WWBA, uh, a guy that has 600 at-bats but isn't very good uh, is still very valuable because that's one guy that can play every day in one position, one, one's roster spot, you know, versus if I got a guy that's really good, but he's only got 250 at bats. Uh, if I got two guys like that, I still need another guy with a hundred at bats to fill out that position. So now I've got three players on my roster to fill out one position. Uh, when you have a 120% roundup, like the Rosenblatt has, uh, playing time is not a concern at all. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the minor league picks in the Rosenblatt? You like that, or have you not formed an opinion on that one yet? Uh, I do like it. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, it gives you an extra more players to follow, right? <laughs> uh, and it definitely adds an interesting strategy, um, you know, because, I mean, I'm looking the team that we inherited uh, had Shane McClanahan, and, you know, he's he's a pretty good prospect, but, you know, he's not, you know, he's probably not on anybody's top 100 list. But I went back and looked, and, you know, the team that we took over took him in the 10th round. So that was the very last pick of the draft. And so if that guy turns out to, you know, come in and be a closer for the Rays or, you know, even jumps into the rotation next year and he's above average, uh, you know, you got that guy in the 10th round. Yeah, I know. That's So there's that's there's some really good value. Yeah, there's really good value there. Uh, I know a couple of guys that we were looking at just, you know, again, that maybe aren't the best prospects, uh, but had really good chance of breaking into the major leagues and getting playing time this year. And a lot of those guys went in the second half of the draft. So you sit on them for one year and uh, you know, and you might, you might get a player well above his value for the slot that you got him at. Yeah, I know. That's kind of what I like about, especially if you're doing your homework, how valuable those draft picks end up being. You know, when you're when you've been in the years you've been running these leagues, why do people end up quitting usually? What what's usually the issue? I think most of it is time. I know me personally, uh, there was a period in, uh, of my life where the WWA was the only league I was playing in, uh, and it was because I had so much going on uh, in my life outside of you know sports <laughs> replay leagues. Um, that's, I think the majority of it is just guys have too many things going on and, and this takes a little bit too much time. Uh, and especially the, I think the WWBA maybe is, uh, takes a little more time. I think the expectations are higher in the WWA than in most leagues. Uh, you know, we're, we're extremely dedicated and we expect everybody in the league to be <laughs> right. No, I agree. Um, but I have had guys, you know, the, the reason that I took my team over, uh, in the WWBA nearly 20 years ago was uh, exactly was something that you were talking about earlier about database being up to date. Uh, he, the guy that I took over for did not like the fact that the games were played out of order uh, because in the WWBA, we just have reporting periods that you can't play past and you can play your home games at your leisure. So you can play ahead, but you'll be playing home games and you may have the road game results for two weeks from now, but not the ones from yesterday. And that, he didn't like that, and he quit the league for that reason. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. Well, there was an email floating about that I think you chimed in on on that. Do you play them in order? Do you not play them in order? Rosenblatt plays them in order. You don't play them in order in the WWBA. So I don't know if I've thought about it that much to, to render an opinion. So that email thread was actually floating around the Rosenblatt, and it it was started uh, by – it was a private conversation I was having with another member uh, because we were having a discussion about the, the, the pitcher's fatigue. Because the one interesting thing about the Rosenblatt versus every league that I've ever been in, uh, this league does nothing to address the issue of pitcher fatigue. Uh, you know, every league that I've ever been in has, you know, rules of some sort, either to do with the amount of rest that you have to have or the amount of times you can use a guy in an individual series. Uh, they Or, like, you know, they play him in order. Uh, there's always been some way to address pitcher fatigue. And, and in this league, there isn't any rule in regards to that. Uh, so, so let's say, you know, I have a series on the road and then my next series at home. If I'm playing you at home, and I got the results from the team that you played in the first series, but not the team that I played. Now, when I when I go to play the game against you, your pitchers have fatigue because I have the results from your three games prior. But I don't have the results from my games three games prior. So my team is fully rested. That's an unfair advantage. And it's only based on whether or not the guy in front of us played ahead or not. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that 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 could get very frustrating. So yeah, I said it's just a you know, and I I guess I'm the only person to have ever brought it up because <laughs> because nobody else seemed to uh, have a have a solution or a response. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it to be quite honest with you. G brought it up. That's why in the in the WWBA, you know, we reset player usage, um, but we have a rule that you can't start and relief in the same series. And and starting pitchers have to have uh, three three games rest between starts, so that keeps you from being able to abuse those 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 uh, rest things a little bit. Do you do you think there's some people that play in these leagues that are just a step above everyone else and always seem to be able to put a good team together? Absolutely. <laughs> do, you think they could do, it, do you think they could do it in such a way that if you had a high integrity simulation, you kind of had everything online that you could you could do this and, and money would be at stake? Maybe not a sizable amount of money, but enough money to make it interesting? Uh, um, yeah, I don't see why not. I know a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fantasy leagues play for money. Um, I don't know of any replay leagues that do most, for the most part, it's the hobby. Uh, in fact, for the most part, we pay to play in these leagues. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's the same premise. Why not? When and I really don't feel like there's an integrity issue. You know, like, like I, when you say, you know, I don't know if those two things are conflated when you're saying, are there guys that are better than others? And do we have to put it online to make it fair? The guys that are better than others, I don't think it's because there's any cheating or anything, you know, under the, you know, iffy. Uh, I think it's a matter of how much time and effort you put into it. And some guys just, it's a hobby to them. And some guys are uber competitive and they do everything they can to win. Yeah, when I talk integrity, that would be of the simulation. When a game starts, a game completes. Uh, you know, there's, there's uh, 
the results are posted for everybody to see. The game couldn't accidentally be played twice because there was money at stake. Things like that. That that's what I'm. All that. All those kinds of things would have to be enforced. Um, you know, payment and all that. That that that's what I mean by integrity. Not whether something where somebody took advantage of a hole in it. Though that that does bring up an interesting question. If have you seen anybody kind of exploit any bugs in these simulations over the years? Um. I don't, I wouldn't even call it a bug, but, uh, you know, when you play the same game in the same league for as many years as we have, uh, you learn that, you know, there are certain types of players that are, that are going to be better in the game than they were in real life and vice versa. Um, you know, diamond mind is really hard on left-handed pitchers. Um, unless you're just, you know, the Randy Johnson's of, of the world. Um, an average left-handed pitcher tends to not do as well in diamond mind. But, but I can't say that I, I've, um, you know, the other thing I, I will say, uh, and this is a league rule issue, not a, again, not really a bug in the game. Um, we exploit splits. Uh, say a guy got 200 at bats. Uh, he might've got 20 of them against left-handed pitchers and 180 of them against right-handed pitchers. And against left-handed pitchers, he's got a thousand OPS. Uh, in in the WWBA, guys will will pick that guy up, and he'll bat 200 times against left-handed pitchers, and he'll hit 20 more home runs than he did in real life. Uh, you know, because we don't we don't do anything to limit uh, split abuse. <laughs> yeah, and you can really but, exploit that, couldn't you? Yeah, those aren't those aren't bugs in the simulation. Those are those are rules that we don't have implemented. Uh, you know, they said then the, the left-handed pitcher thing, I guess, is the simulation. But it, do you find people end up getting frustrated when you trade for somebody and they don't get the results they want when, in fact, there's all kinds of reasons you might not get the results you want, you know, when you replay these guys and replay these games in different conditions? Oh, yeah. It's extremely frustrating when you put together, a, a, you know, a dynamite bullpen. And, you know, three game, you know, three weeks into the season, you're you're barely under 500, and you thought you were going to have a winning team, and it's because, you know, your bullpen had a real life ERA of three, and in the game you got a real uh, ERA of five and a half. <laughs> you know that yeah. that happens every that happens every year. Is that just the imbalance of the talent in the league, or talent too concentrated in certain teams, or? Uh, I think there's a lot of factors at play, uh, especially, um, you know the whole purpose of, of these replays, right. Is what happens if this player was in this position. So, you know, if we take a, you know, a guy that hit 50 home runs in Seattle and we put him in Colorado, what would happen? Uh, you know, that those, and that's exactly what we do, right. We take these guys, we shuffle them up and we put them on different parks and different teams against different, different pitchers than they faced in real life. So the results are going to be different. Uh, and I do think, you know, <laughs> Uh, the WWBA, uh, much like Major League Baseball today, uh, everybody is a have or a have not. There's nobody trying to, there's nobody just trying to put a win, a, you know, a, a 500 team on the field and try to build towards the future. Everybody's either trying to win 100 or lose 100. So you you get stats that are that are off because of that. You know, you play if your division has three or four of those teams. Uh, that aren't trying, then your stats are going to get inflated. Yeah. And, and that whole rebuild strategy is not an automatic strategy, is it? 
I mean, no, just it's, because it's, you tear it's worked it down. very few times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the Astros, the Cubs did it uh, fairly successfully. I mean, they got one World Series out of it. Uh, you know, the Astros as well. Uh, you know, after losing three hundred years, uh, three years in a row, hundred games. Uh, now they've won. I don't know how many division titles in a row, uh, but that's only that's only translated into one World Series title. Uh, you know, the the Royals have tried it twice. Uh, you know, one World Series. Yeah, the Padres look like they might have pulled it off, but I guess we'll see here soon. You know, that team's really not. I don't. I wouldn't really put them in the same uh, in, in the same boat as those others, though, because. That team's a very good mix of some homegrown talent, a lot of free agents. Uh, you know, they that team's been put together in a lot of different ways. I don't, I don't think they ever tried to just blow it up and uh, and not win any games. They, you know, because they've been doing this for a while. How many years has Hosmer been under that contract? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been a long throw for them. Um, yeah. Do you think uh, we'll end up with a baseball strike? I I can't see how we don't. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I've I've never seen. I mean, go back to 1994 when they went on strike last. Uh, relations were better then. Yeah, and and they're 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 really uh, they're really deteriorating fast, aren't they? Do, do oh you, yeah, there's. Do you think no, this generation though forgot about the damage done to the game in '94 now, and now they have to learn their lesson, or do you think this relations are just horrible? Um. Well, when you say they've forgotten who, you know, who are we talking about? Baseball players, because yeah, most of them weren't of the, born. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so they don't. <laughs> that's exactly my point. So they don't really understand, you know, how bad it got in '94 or '95, and how long it took really to Maguire Sosa uh, in, in the home run battles to really bring baseball back to its peak, would you say? 100%. If, 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 and this is a, and this is a really uh, interesting conversation too. You know, we could go down this rabbit hole for a long time. You know, we have this whole cloud of we won't let Barry Bonds and Mark Maguire and any of these guys into the hall of fame uh, for the steroids. Uh, but if it weren't for the steroids, how much longer does that strike do damage? Because, if McGuire and Sosa aren't roided out and they're not hitting 70 home runs, uh, are we watching baseball in 1999? I don't know. You know, I mean, that, I that, that, I that yeah. brought that, that brought people that weren't even casual fans to the bar to watch the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you could count on one of those guys <laughs> popping one out that night. And I remember in airports to speak of traveling where the bars were, you know, not only were they full, but people were watching baseball. When does that ever happen? Right. Yeah. As I said, that was, uh, yeah. And from, from 1995 till, till that happened. And, and the thing was, you know, that happened in, that was 1998, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that didn't, people didn't start watching baseball in April of 1998. You know, it was, it was June, July when those guys have already got 30, 35 home runs at the break that people started paying attention. So nobody watched baseball for three and a half, four years. Yeah, I know. And that's I, I just wonder if this generation realizes that people can go on without baseball and there's other things to watch and what what damage will be done from that. But well, I agree. and I think it's and I think it's even more more pre, more relevant today because uh, in 1998 or 1994, uh, how many more options do we have? There was no streaming. You know, you couldn't sit and watch a you couldn't sit and watch a baseball game on your phone 
you know, while you're sitting in the drive-through. <laughs> yeah. uh, today, people have instant access to every game all over the world, and no matter what you want to watch. Uh, so you need baseball less today than you did then. You know, and uh, it seems like baseball ownership has figured out when you're 31 or 32, mathematically your skills regress and they don't want to pay anymore. And uh, were you kind of surprised that some of these 27 and 28-year-olds take a Lindor, Lindor deal? Were you surprised that they went ahead and did that or that the Mets committed? If you're Correa, if you're Baez, should you expect the same money in free agency this year? I don't think either one of those guys will get as much money as Lindor did. I mean, Lindor was the premier guy on the market. Um, but regardless, of, you know, they're not paying him $341 million because they think he's going to hit 10 years from now what he hit last year. You know, there's a certain amount of, you know, that's a, uh, that's a, that's ticket sales. That's Jersey sales. That's, that's season tickets. You know, when the, when the Phillies signed Bryce Harper for 300, $400 million, whatever his contract was, uh, their season ticket sales went up by like 20 something percent the next day. You know, so those, those contracts aren't all about the skill set. So I don't think we're ever going to go away from big money contracts for superstars. But what we're seeing is uh, there's been a decrease in player salary, average player salary for three years in a row. Now that's never happened before. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's the, it's the, it's the guy's, uh, the you know, the guys that are hitting free agency a little bit older uh, than than they should, and they're not getting those big paydays like everybody used to when they hit free agency. Yeah, if the rumors are correct, so talk about ticket sales, talk about jersey sales, and it looks like Jed Hoyer and the Cubs offered Anthony Rizzo five years, seventy million. That's if I'm him, that's I, kind was, of a joke. I, yeah, we've, I had that conversation with a, with a diehard Cubs fan this week. So that, that's not an offer. It's an insult. Um, <laughs> cause but he's, not 30, even he's the, 31, going to be 32. It, it's the same right. punishment, it seems like. But, you know, here's the problem with that one. So he signed a team-friendly contract before free agency. He did. So they've already, they've already had him for under market value for all this time. And now they want him to, to give him another break on another under market value deal. Uh, do they it, it owe, just, do they owe him money? Will somebody pay him more? Do you think? I I I don't know that he gets a longer a longer deal. I think he could get a higher AAV, especially in the first few years of a deal. Yeah, and mm -hmm. especially if he has a good year this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing that's really skewing the market this year is what do you do with the twenty twenty season? Like I can't put stock in anything good or bad, you know, when, especially pitchers, you know, when you start and stop spring training three times and then you start playing games and then you have a COVID outbreak and you don't play games for a week and then you play two months and then you play a month's worth of playoff games. I mean, last year was the, was the craziest thing, you know, and the guys weren't allowed to see their families and they were quarantined to the hotels. They couldn't go out to dinner, uh, you know, and, and baseball players are creatures of habit, right? Uh, super, very superstitious group. Uh, so, so you throw, you know, I can I just think you can throw out everything that happened in 2020, really. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point too. Do you think we're going to see the injuries this year because of the result of 2020? I definitely worry about pitchers. Mm -hmm. 
and I'll, and it's and it's not just uh, my my biggest thing is you know with pitchers especially younger pitchers uh, you know you typically have this 10 15 20% you know trajectory every year where you go up you know so I threw 50 innings this year I threw 70 next year I throw 110 the following year you build up now what happens when you don't throw it all for a year you know and there was no minor leagues and the you know nobody threw 100 innings last year so so what's going to happen you know a lot of these younger guys i think uh you might see some injuries just due to that you know they like they they weren't able to progress properly yeah I, I, but it did create a you know a lot of opportunities for a lot of players in 2020 it looks like well, it's going to be the same in 2021 as well well yeah i said that uh I, i've been saying that since the last season ended is that if they do play 162 games this year uh, you will see the most pitchers ever used in history. Yeah, I, think uh, right. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of players get 30 starts. Uh, I bet you can count on one hand the guys that get more than 180 innings. Uh, I think every team's going to, you know, any player that has options, you know. Um, I think with the Cubs, uh, Albert Alzale, you know, they <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that the Players Association didn't do uh, when they were hammering out all these rules last year on playing service time and, and, and pay and all that, uh, they didn't address option years. And so every individual player that should have had their last option expire last year, uh, you know, they had a, they had an arbitration case and Alzelay, uh lost his case and they have control of him for another year, but yet he broke camp with the team in the rotation and I said, you know, but all that means is that he's going to be, they'll be able to send him back down, you know, and bring up Shelby Miller or somebody else. And you'll see, you know, he might be 10, 12 guys pitching the rotation for almost every team. Do you think the control years is the biggest issue with labor relations or is it paying some of these guys that think they should be paid, the 31, 32, 33-year-olds, or is, or is it deeper than that? Well, the the owners want it both ways, right? You know, we want to control you and underpay you in your prime producing years, uh, but then we're not going to reward you with a contract for the declining years. That's always been the trade-off, right? So, you know, you get five to six years of team control, uh, and then when you're done, if you did really, really good at that, uh, then we're going to give you a 10-year, you know, $10 million a year deal. And now they're not giving those 10-year deals to anybody except for the, you know, the creme de la creme. Uh, and in fact, it's even gotten worse uh, in the last, I'm going to say, three years. Uh, go back five, six, seven, eight years ago. You never saw an everyday player under control and non-tendered. And, and we've been seeing that for the last few years. Uh, you know, teams are, if a guy's set to make $10, $12 million in arbitration, uh, teams might cut them. Might, they might non-tender them. Mm-hmm. Rather than rather than let them go to arbitration and and, and make ten twelve million dollars, you that, never you never saw that five six seven eight years ago. Do do you think more contracts are going to be structured where if it is a ten year deal it's going to be front loaded so you get the value out the player gets gets his money and then the back years there's not as much dead money or, or risk of dead money at the back end of those deals. Um, I don't think so because the, you know, the, I don't think the players care so much when they get their money. I mean, look at the Bobby Bonilla deal. 
Um, I think that the I think that the backloading of contracts is always done by the teams uh, because they figure inflation and, and luxury tax increase. Uh, it'll be less damaging to have more money on the books later than today. Uh, so they do that. Uh, I think it depends on what comes out of the 2022 contract neg- labor negotiations. Uh, do they because, you know, the answer to this is a salary floor and a salary cap. Um, the owners are against the floor, the players are against the cap, and they don't want us to talk about anything in between. Uh, <laughs> uh, but as long as we have the current structure, uh, I don't think that that'll be a thing because the, like I said, the backloading of the contracts uh, helps the teams. Yeah. But what has to happen, I think, is that you have to change. If you're not gonna, if you're not going to reward the players that get to free agency at 27, 28 years old with more than a one or two year deal, then we have to, then we have to restructure how they're paid pre-arbitration. Or the control years have to vary, I guess. And then that's, that's going to cause. Well, and that's causing a lot of problems already because, you know, and this is one of my, one of my favorite things is, uh, is Chris Bryant making $20 million on the Cubs because they manipulated his first year to get this extra year of control. And now they want him off the books and nobody will take him. You know, that two weeks that they kept him out in his rookie season is costing them $20 million and they can't get him off the books. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, they tried yet, to, they tried to sign him long term and he had him and Boros had nothing to do with it. Right. But there, you know, what's funny about that, though, is I think they're doing the exact same thing to Nico Horner right now. Uh, you know, didn't they learn their lesson? You know, Nico Horner hit 500 in spring. Uh, yeah, he should David, be with the David, team. David Bodie is a utility man, yeah. uh, but we're going to give David Bodie a chance because he's earned it. Yeah, they told uh, the, they towed the company line on that when Ross was in. Right. Yeah. It, but they're doing but they're doing the exact same thing. And like you know, I'm like, didn't you learn from this? Because this mistake is costing you twenty million dollars this year that you can't get rid of. <laughs> well, do you like the guaranteed contracts, or do you like what the NFL, where it's a forty million dollar deal, nothing's guaranteed? What's what's the point of a of a non guaranteed deal? They have to, you know, I I can sign an infinity contract. What's the point? Mm-hmm. It protects the owners <laughs> uh, is all it ends up doing, really. Yeah, uh, you know, I I wouldn't have an issue if there was some sort of clauses in there. Like, uh, who was it? Uh, I I can't remember who it was now. Oh, it was John Lackey. Uh, John Lackey was coming off of injury and he signed a deal. Where if if he didn't play a certain amount of playing time, uh, that he was he was automatically locked into a team option at league minimum. So the last year of John Lackey's big free agent contract, he played for the league minimum because he missed too much time during the length of that contract. I have no issue if in, you know if in guaranteed money you have some sort of rider in there that protects for guys not playing. I mean, look at David Wright. Uh, uh, Dustin Pedroia, mm-hmm. Jed Lowry, uh, you know, the list goes on and on of guys that sign 10, 20, $30 million deals and don't play, you know, a quarter of a season or, or at all. Uh, I wouldn't have an issue if they had some kind of deal where, you know, but, and that's what a lot of teams do, right. With these, uh, incentive contracts, right. If you, if you close this many games, if you make this many appearances, uh, you know, that you get more money. You know, and they do that a lot with injured players, incentive-based contracts. 
but do you think any of this, anything will change or it's, is it going to take a strike to sort it out? So you're, you're pretty convinced there's nothing either side can do uh, over the next year or so. I, well, are they even talking about it? This, this is the problem with baseball. Why, you know, I remember this in 2002. So after the 94 strike, if you remember, I believe it was 2002 was, was the next uh, uh, expiration of a labor agreement after the one they signed after the strike. Uh, that one went down to the wire, right? They signed they signed a deal, uh, you know, the night that it was expiring. Uh, why are we not working on the next one the day we signed the last one? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, uh, but but let's end on a, let's end on a good note here. Who who do you yeah. like going into twenty twenty one? Who 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 are who are, who should be keeping an eye on? Who are you excited about? Players or teams? Both. Um. I think there's a lot of great young talent. I mean, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see is, you know, is Fernando Tatis as, as good as that contract. Uh, I, you know, for personal reasons, because I, I, I drafted him on my team last year, I'm really curious to see uh, Trent Grisham in San Diego. Uh, you know, he was, he was a 30, 30 pace on that 60 game season. Uh, there's, there's a lot of exciting young talent, uh, you know, I'm a shortstop fan. I'd uh, love to see uh, Anderson Simmons healthy. When that guy's healthy, he's the most fun guy to watch on the field. I think. Uh, Team-wise, I think uh, I think the Dodgers are the team to beat again. I mean, uh, you know, they're having a debate whether it's Tony Gonzalez, Dustin May, or David Price is going to be their fifth starter. And either one of those guys would probably be the number two on 90% of their teams in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. I saw David Price. I guess it was Game One. Make a make a bullpen appearance already. So the Dodgers said that they were given the five spot to Dustin May. So ah. uh, so that put Price and Gonzalez in the bullpen. Uh, funny enough, then Gonzalez just ended up on the on the disabled list or the injured list. Uh, so there, all that depth is down to now one. <laughs> uh, but that should be a fun race in the West, right? The Padres. Uh, the Padres should be really good. Uh, so Padres and Dodgers might be a fun race to watch. I think the NL East is going to be maybe the most competitive. Um, you know, the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, um, the Nationals all look really good. Uh, you know, talking about the players that got opportunity, uh, the Marlins last year, uh, because of that, you know, COVID outbreak they had, they said in that short 60-game season they weren't going to bring up Sixto Sanchez or Jazz Chisholm, uh, and they ended up bringing up both. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the Mets are pretty serious now? Uh, why not? They're in they're in the biggest market in America. Uh, they have a pretty good core to start building around, and they have the richest owner in baseball. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty skeptical of the ownership groups myself, and I, I wondered when they allowed Steve Cohen because they wouldn't let uh, Mark Cuban even bid on the Cubs. Uh, I, I wondered when Steve Cohen came in and they approved his ownership, uh, did they make him promise not to spend too much money in the first couple of years? <laughs> yeah, when he made the Cano deal, I kind of started not paying attention to the Mets anymore. So I was, a, I was a little shocked at that one. Well, it sounds like you're excited for 2021. Did you make any, did you have any strategic changes on how you put your teams together this year based on 2020? Our basic same approach. No, but I'm in a I'm in a pretty precarious situation this year uh, with the 60 game season. 
uh, I was in the second year of a rebuild when this happened. Uh, I won, I won a hundred plus games, uh, two out of three years from 2016 to 2018, uh, won the whole thing in 2016. Uh, at the end of 2018, I just had so many holes and aging players that I decided to blow it up and start over. Uh, so at the break in 2019, I, uh, I traded every aging vet I had for draft picks. Uh, and I picked up a lot of young pitchers in the draft. And then that's the, the thing that was affected most by the 60 game season was pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I was in a really, uh, I was in a really tough spot this year. Uh, do I, do I try to win with this group or do I just give up on this year and just hold on to my young players and try to keep building? So, yeah, I was the only thing that I wouldn't do. Uh, you know, I won't, like I said, I don't put a lot of stock in anything that happened in 2020. So I'm not going to overpay for really good numbers for one year. Yeah, that that's probably good advice right there. Well, Jim, hey, I appreciate you doing this. I know you're real busy, and I, I, hopefully everybody enjoys listening to all your insight on baseball and all your experience. And I wish you the best of luck this year and hope you enjoy the, the baseball season and and uh, stay cool in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's going to be challenging. But, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. See you, Chris. Bye-bye.